Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions in film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and today we have a very special treat for everybody because, and this was a secret last week, but we have finished season three of The Crown. And so, as always, between seasons, we like to dive into some other content. And so today, we thought, what better thing to do than to dive into another Peter Morgan special? And that is, of course, The Other Bolin Girl, with a stacked cast, including Natalie Portman, Scarlett Johansson, Eric Bana, Jim Sturgis, Benedict Cumberbatch, Eddie Redmayne, uh, Juno Temple, apparently Andrew Garfield. We can get into that. (laughs) Um, But, you know... A very packed movie. We have a lot of thoughts. And here to break it all down with me, as always, are my two amazing co-hosts. First, our Milk and Honey podcaster, Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, what will you do today to please the podcasting community as our Milk and Honey podcaster? (laughs) Jeez, you you do not make these easy. (laughs) Uh, I mean, pass. (laughs) Uh, okay, also back with us today, fresh off a uh, quick tutorial from the French court, it is Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, what happens in the French court? Because it's a mystery, but what do you think happens there? Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before <laughs> we go any further, I, I just want to say, like, you always cue me up with the more challenging questions, and then, Carlin, it's like, hey, what's your favorite color? I do. <laughs> it's, yeah. I do. It's the shtick. every time (laughs) every time (laughs) okay so apparently you learn tarot cards so number one you get that sort of um witchy arts um and then i think if we're going by what happened to marie antoinette you apparently have a lot of lesbian sex you'd probably stroll around some gardens they probably teach you french unless you didn't i do they know french they just go in there like just speaking english uh, unclear. Great question. So maybe they learn French. Yeah. Apparently you learn how to be sneaky. Ivan, do you want me to tee you up with a different question? Please. All right. Also back with us today, a man whose gift was rejected. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, what do you do when someone rejects a gift? <laughs> I mean, oh, see, that's interesting because like... <laughs> At that point in time, like, have you saved the gift receipt and are you going to use it yourself? Did you save the gift receipt? I mean, I assume that you murdered a bunch of people to get the gift in the first place. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you think those uh, those necklaces and earrings were, were blood diamonds? They for, they could have been for sure. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying they're not blood diamonds. <laughs> that question was so much better. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Uh, as always, right off the top, we want to say that we are not royal experts. So if you came here to get any factual clarity, you've come to the wrong place. I will say, I feel like I did read that this is a fictionalized account of what happened. So in addition to us not knowing, we've been given wrong information. So it's all going to be <laughs> quite a journey diving into the other Bolin girl today. But I feel like there is a lot to discuss. It should be very fun. And at least directionally, you know, She died at the end. That seems right. So I feel like we can go off of that. Uh, So I think to get things kicked off, Ivan, huge undertaking here. But could you give us a quick recap of The Other Bolin Girl? Yeah, I mean, so this movie has about 
a season's worth of plot all in the course of two <laughs> hours, and and it's not going to be easy. But I'll, I'll I'll try to give the the quick and dirty version of it. Okay, so you have two sisters, uh, Anne and Mary, uh, that are uh, you know that are were born to a noble family. Um, the family is kind of already positioning Anne to be married off to somebody who is going to elevate their uh, status in the noble community, whereas Mary is kind of seen as a bit more of an afterthought. So she is married off to some very like middle of the road aristocrat who probably is going to have like kind of a middle management position in the king's court at some point in his career. Like those are his aspirations. That's totally fine. That's good enough for Mary. But for Anne, they're going to try to do something a little bit more high reaching. Um, So uh, the head of the family, who is essentially their uncle, the Duke of Norfolk, 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 uh, the Duke. Uh, So he (laughs) he is essentially uh, now plotting to position and to be uh, the mistress of King Henry VIII, whose current uh, first wife uh, is is having trouble uh, producing a male heir for him, which is what he desperately wants uh, to to cement his legacy. Um, So they decide that they're going to kind of dangle Anne in front of him and uh, see if uh, they can kind of use that to sort of elevate uh, Anne's own status so that she can then be married off to somebody else who's like high ranking. I mean, I I don't know what the logic is, but this is the plan. This is the Duke's plan. So anyway, this begins to work uh, when Henry VIII visits them out in the country, but then there's a little accident out on a hunting trip. We won't get into it. Anyway, they need to suddenly pull a Hail Mary and the Duke decides, hey, you know what? Uh, the king's <laughs> oh, pissed at... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ray. That was pure accident, actually. I'm not, I can't take credit for it. So, uh, yeah, but Hail Mary um, in the sense that uh, they're actually going to try to get him to uh, become smitten with Mary instead of Anne, who he is currently uh, probably irritated with. Um, this ends up working and uh, the king ends up requesting uh, uh, both Mary and Anne to come to live uh, is it London? I don't even know. Wherever the king's, uh, you know, court uh, is 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 uh, residing at this point in history, and he's clearly into Mary, and he he's clearly wanting to hit that, and and he does hit that, and uh, <laughs> but it's kind of a weird situation where she's you know married to this guy still played by Benedict Cumberbatch, but he's being like promised a good position in exchange for having his wife be. I, I, it, anyway, there's so much happening in this movie. We haven't even gotten past like the first 20 minutes. My God. Okay. So any anyhow, um, eventually uh, Mary uh, does become uh, pregnant uh, with uh, the, the queen's child. And uh, while she is uh, kind of like, resting in bed waiting for this baby to be born for several months um in the meantime um Anne's kind of been misbehaving she secretly married a guy she wasn't supposed to consummated the marriage got in trouble family sends her off to France where she learns to become a little bit more I don't know if it's like ladylike or just more like skilled or educated but anyway they're, they're gonna make her more refined in in France she comes back after a few months and suddenly she's a brand new woman. She's very cunning, clever, um, uh, you know, very uh, amusing to the court and to the king who is now all of a sudden smitten with Anne. Uh, and all of this on the brink of uh, his new bastard child being born to Mary, uh, who in fact does turn out to be a boy, which uh, the whole family's excited about, except now Anne has thrown a wrench in that plan by basically making herself so alluring 
something to the king that he now wants Anne instead, and he's willing to do anything to hit that, including, um, uh, well, first of all, completely like dismiss Mary and send her back to the country, and then also uh, divorce his uh, first wife, uh, which is not an easy thing to do because that's against the law of the Catholic Church. So this is where the king now decides to essentially excommunicate himself uh, from uh, Rome and the Pope and form the Church of England uh, so he can then divorce his first wife, which he does. Um, and now he's going to uh, marry uh, Anne instead. Uh, oh my God, like we're, how far in are we now? Like 40 minutes? This movie's crazy. So uh, yeah, so he marries Anne. She ends up um, giving birth to a girl, Womp Womp. And now suddenly the relationship is uneasy uh, and she's getting, you know, kind of paranoid and and bitter and he's not uh, enchanted with her anymore. So he's already like looking at uh, other mistresses to consider. Uh, and God, like what else is happening in this movie? Uh, I can't even wrap my head around it. Um, Mary's back in the country, but now she's being like summoned back to the court to uh, put in a good word for, for Anne, whose uh, past consummation has kind of like uh, come into the rumor mill again. So Mary helps squash that and the, the, the sisters end up rec reconciling over that. But yeah, the, the, the relationship between uh, Anne and the king continues to deteriorate and uh, he ends up, uh, what does he end up finding out um, that sours him on Anne? Help me out here. This this movie was so long and, and so uh, incest. detailed. But, like, incest. I don't know if yes, it actually okay. happened though. It did not. No, no, the rumor. no, 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 it oh, didn't happen. Okay. Yeah, so, so what happens is uh, out of a moment of desperation, um, Anne, uh, having uh, lost uh, one of her, uh, you know, subsequent uh, uh, pregnancies uh, to, to a miscarriage, uh, she, first of all, hasn't told the king that this miscarriage has happened. Um, and she's worried that if she does, that'll be the end of like their marriage and her chances of uh, continuing to be the queen. So she's like, oh, I need to get pregnant again really quickly and considers having her uh, brother, George, who also is, by the way, in this movie, more on him later, um, uh, having him impregnate her which is like so crazy right uh and they almost go through with it but uh george chokes in the end but meanwhile uh george's wife uh jane kind of catches them almost kind of jumping into the act uh before you know he ends up changing his mind but uh the king ends up uh, uh catching wind of this and uh, essentially um uh, uh, it, uh, you know, commits Anne to a trial where she is uh, uh, convicted of like incest and treason and adultery and and, and just about everything. Um, and she and George are uh, beheaded. Um, and in the meantime, Mary uh, is has been. Uh, what, like so, there's a, a a guy that works for uh, the Bolin family, played by Eddie Redmayne, who's just kind of been in the movie the whole time in the background, <laughs> jumping in here and there with a line or two. And he approaches her as like, "Hey, I, I can't work for your dad and uncle anymore. They're crazy. I'm gonna go retire to the country. I have a place. I got some money saved up. Do you want to come come join me?" Uh, she says yes, and yeah, the the father and uncle they end up dying and uh, oh yeah i guess the big takeaway in the end is that um that first child that uh that Anne gave birth to who was a girl is elizabeth uh, the future elizabeth the first queen of england uh that's the other boleyn girl 
Thank you, Ivan. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. A, it's a wild movie. And I, I have so many thoughts. I don't even know where to begin. And I won't. So I guess I'll start with and I won't stay on the soapbox too long. But just from like a film narrative perspective, this movie was a mess. Like it felt like and I feel like I read a little bit of the book synopsis, too, because this movie is based on a book. And based on the book, the main character, like the protagonist of the book, is Mary, the other Bolin girl, who I feel like we can all agree should have been, by all accounts, the other Bolin girl, because Anne Bolin is like the Bolin girl. Mm-hmm. Mary would be the other Bolin girl. But within the first five minutes, I feel like Anne Bolin is calling herself the other Bolin girl in yeah. the movie, which made was no so sense. <laughs> so confusing to me. So like, as someone who actually wasn't all that familiar with Anne Bolin to begin with, like I just assumed that like, oh yeah, because she's the famous one and, and the sister's kind of the lesser known one, that would be the other Bolin. And then Anne declares herself as such, I think jokingly, but like now I don't know who like the title <laughs> of the movie was actually referring to. I Yeah, they didn't do a good job with that. And it didn't even feel like it was focused on Mary. It's like, if you're going to tell a, no. like, a different piece of history, like we kind of sort of know and that should have been like the C plot was what was going on with Anne. Well, it's it, to me, it felt like maybe Mary was like the focus for the first third to half of the movie, and then they switched it, and they were like, "Wait, but Anne Boleyn, though." Yeah, no, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it felt like that. I, I feel like the the movie, yeah. So like uh, at different parts of the movie, it's either focusing on Mary or or focusing on Anne more. And while the spotlight is on either one of them, I feel like they do a really poor job keeping the other one in the mix. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it seems like like from a narrative standpoint, they were really only able to focus and develop one character at a time. And whenever they do so, they just put the other one on the bench. But I feel like the re- so you know that it's Mary's story overall, right? Because Mary's the one who ultimately has like the change, like the change of mindset. Like she has an opportunity to really burn Anne, and she's like, "No, please save my sister." And I feel like that's like the story arc. And I feel like if it was Anne's story, right, we would have seen her go to France and like learn about like how to be beguiling. Yeah. Um, but we don't see that, right? So we no. know that it can't be Anne's story. Yet so much of the second half of the movie is focused purely on her. And like you said, Ivan, it just like Mary is out of sight, out of mind. She she really disappears, like especially yeah. like but like through most of the third act of the film. She is just completely absent and really only shows up for kind of like a I mean, it's not even like a redemption like moment, but just kind of like a very half hearted like, let me try to save the day and to vain. Yeah, and here's the thing, like, I don't even blame Peter Morgan for this. Like, I believe firmly that there is, like, a better version of this movie that could have been made, and it doesn't even, like, it doesn't even need to be, like, a whole big thing because they made the scenes. If you go on YouTube, there's all these deleted scenes of, like, Mary's husband, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, is tortured, like, emotionally by what's happening. I feel like that could have been a really crucial thing to see. Eventually he dies, which Mm -hmm. is, like, his character just disappears in the movie and we never get really like an explanation why, but like there's a, a deleted scene in which he dies. Mm-hmm. There's more deleted scenes of like Mary kind of like building this relationship with Eddie Redmayne's character Stafford, mm-hmm. which helps the ending make more sense because like at the end, you're just like, wait, that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it feels like it, it wouldn't have taken that much effort to make this like a, even like a little bit of a better movie that made a little bit more sense. You know, you know how nowadays, like you have like all of these uh, sort of like 
recent historical like dramas about like you know either startups or failed startups or like big scandals from like the past 20 to 30 years and they're like on hulu and hbo and whatnot and by like the fourth or fifth episode you're kind of thinking like why couldn't this miniseries have just been a movie? Mm-hmm. Well, well, like this movie is the opposite of that. Like this needed like a good six hours to be told and they, they crammed it into two. Yeah, which I guess the Tudors TV show on, uh, is that Showtime? Maybe that's where we're <laughs> getting the, the better version of this story. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, this is our first real kind of like foray, I feel like in this podcast, like into this era and I feel like we picked a really confusing way to do it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I feel like that's like my broad strokes of the movie. I don't know if you guys had like other takes or if you kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I felt the same way. It was kind of hard to like, it was hard to make sense of what to focus on and like what's important versus not because it also has such a big cast and they kind of look the same. <laughs> and they all the same name. <laughs> they do. They yeah. do all have the same name. There, there's a lot of Henrys, a lot of uh, Janes, and a lot of, uh, like, what else? Uh, Williams. What there's multiple Williams. Williams. Multiple Thomases. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's tough to keep up. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, okay, so, yeah, the movie was a bit of a mess, but I did find it wildly entertaining just because, like, you know, it, it didn't really linger on anything too long. It was, you know, super fast paced and like, mm-hmm. I mean, to a fault, like uh, to be clear. But uh, yeah, so much going on that it just felt like a huge like information dump. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also feel like what made the movie fun was just the fact that so many of the like I mentioned a little bit of the cast at the beginning, but obviously like so many of the side characters in this cast have gone on to have such huge careers, which you don't always see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like just looking. Okay, so I mean, obviously, you know, Natalie Portman, Scarlett Johansson, Eric Bana, Jim Sturges, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, Mark Rylance, David Morrissey, Benedict Cumberbatch, Eddie Redmayne, Juno Temple, uh, Alfie Allen's there for like a second, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, and then Andrew Garfield, who is <laughs> in the cr- in the credits, but as far as I could tell, does not actually appear in this film. And I think I went to IMDb and mm-hmm. it said in credit only. And I feel like, <laughs> like when has there ever been like somebody whose scenes got cut from the movie, but still ends up making it into the credits? Uh Oh, but still ends up making it into the credits. That's a good question. Like that's unheard of, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to, so I got spoiled a little bit on not real history, but the book version. And Carlin, you're going to be like, oh, that's crazy fan fiction. But Let's apparently <laughs> in the book, George Bolin, played by Jim Sturgis, the brother, mm-hmm. is gay. Okay. Uh, nice, nice. And apparently his lover is Francis Weston, played by Andrew Garfield. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. That's oh apparently what God. happened in the book. But we never, like, didn't get that in the movie. I feel like they hint at that in the movie. Like, cause they're the whole, okay. So first off, like in the beginning, like the <laughs> so first couple scenes. So that's why he didn't that, commit incest is cause he's gay. Yeah, exactly. But, but like, okay. Like I, so the George character was really interesting. Cause like up until that whole, like, you know, incest thing, like I was just wondering like, why is he in the movie? Like he's not really adding anything to the plot. Um, you know, he's just kind of like a sounding board for the two sisters. And at the very beginning, like, I, I, I don't know if you picked up on this, but like, his initial interactions with both sisters already came off as very incesty. They were they were intense. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. like I mean I, 
like like before I you know before I pieced together that this was their brother George like just that initial scene with him and Anne in the beginning like I thought that they were about to go just like knock boots in the barman house I don't yeah it was very strange energy and I don't know if that's what they were trying to hint at or if they were trying to make him just like more flamboyant which also didn't come across because they didn't give him anything yeah no no, they, they 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 threw out so many like suggestions of like, you know, who he is and what he's going through, but then never really like delved into any of it. Yeah, like he uh, like his main sort of arc in the movie is that he does not want to get married to Jane Parker, the king's cousin, but they never really delve into why. He's just like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> but they do they do get married, right? They do, yes. And then she, she like, the only other kind of development of that storyline was her, her complaining that he does not lie with her, right? Yeah, he never has sex with her. Huh. And I guess that's why. Do, that's, that's interesting. Do, do, do you think at a, time, like, at a time like this one, like, him never having sex with her is something that, like, would have flown? Like, you don't think she would have gone back to, like, the king and been like, yo, cuz, like, why'd you set me up with this guy? Like... There's no, there's not going to be any children here. I think they always blame the woman. It's the assumption that like, you're not doing enough to be like hot enough to your husband. I think that was like the general way they did it. So mm-hmm. it would be more like her being worried. Like, why doesn't he want to have sex with me versus like actually going out and complaining about it? Right. Oh. I think that's, I yeah, think I, that's right. I don't know. I also didn't like Jane Parker was very much like a side, a side, side character. Yeah. <laughs> like there were so many side characters. I have no concept of like how close she and the king actually are. Like, would she actually ever like just go complain about her life to Henry? Also, Henry's just unhinged. So yeah, maybe that <laughs> find someone else to complain to. Yeah. you know. So okay, so here is uh, so here's the the part that I'm really confused about. So I know that when you know the you know, the Duke of Norfolk and, uh, you know, Anne and Mary's father started scheming to, you know, position Anne as like the mistress of the king to elevate her social status. Like, it seemed like there was never really an intention on their part uh, for, um, you know, her to actually like, you know, become pregnant and permanently connected to the king or anything like that. Yet, you know, once Mary's in the mix, it's very much headed in that direction. But like, what were like, all those men like expecting to happen once this bastard son was born. Like it, cause like Anne points out to the King, like, you know, he's going to be a bastard. He's not going to be your legitimate heir. Like did nobody, did that not occur to anybody else? Like, I, I, I don't understand like what the King was gunning for by impregnating a woman who wasn't his wife. Everybody's motivation here was a little bit cloudy. Like, I feel like we could say the same thing about Henry the eighth. Like, what does he really want? Like, if he wants a son, he got it. <laughs> I mean, was he going to try to, like, take the kid and say that Catherine had him? Like, I don't know. Yeah, that that's what I don't get. Because, like, he, he seemed to kind of, like, you know, put Mary on a pedestal as, like, you know, the soon-to-be mother of his, you know, firstborn son. But, yeah, like, what would that firstborn son's destiny have been? given that he was a bastard, given that the thought of divorcing his wife hadn't even occurred to him, like what uh, like what gain would there have been for him? I mean, the only weird thing is like he didn't need a son. Like he had an heir. Is it like less legitimate to have a woman as your heir? I feel like that's the vibe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's like he's just obsessed with sons. But like is Anne really like that? 
that captivating that he could like at the point where he's going to divorce Catherine and he's made this decision, like he could have easily just married Mary and then his son would have been legitimate, right? I, I guess retroactively legitimate. I don't, I don't know, know how that works. Yeah, yeah, th- th- that's what I was so c- confused about. And it, like, it, he, it, it seems like the idea of like divorcing his wife and you know marrying Anne, like, like these are things that she, like Anne just kind of starts egging him on to do like gradually. She's like very strategic about it, but it, it doesn't seem like it was anything that he ever really wanted, and so. Really, like, the whole time, he's just kind of working toward, like, you know, having, you know, that magical, like, evening with Anne that he's fantasizing about. But, and, and you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very abrasive when I say this, like, couldn't he have just done it anyway? And given the fact that, you know, he ultimately did against her will, like, it, it seems strange to me that he was jumping through all of these hoops to get something that, as the king, he basically had to snap his fingers to get. Yeah, that's really weird. I have to assume that maybe that was something that they made up. Like, because otherwise, yeah, he he seems to have done a lot of things in his lifetime that you think he would have to be motivated to do. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, like like the, the, the scene where he rapes Anne, I had a very, very bizarre reaction to that scene <laughs> where like it, like it was like a sense of like, oh, finally, why, why didn't you just do that all along? Oh jeez! <laughs> I know, I know. That that's very dark, but that that's how like nonsensical this whole thing was. Because like that is really the only thing he was interested in initially, and like he he for some reason kind of played along with her game, even though like in the end he just did what he could have done all along. Yeah, I don't know if he snapped. Like it was very not clear what his deal was. And it yeah. doesn't make him any more sympathetic. Like if they no. thought that no. made him seem No, 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 no. Like, like I'm, I'm not trying to paint him in a sympathetic no, I know. light. Just, just within within the logic of this story and yeah, like what we know about this king and the way he's behaved throughout the movie, it just seems so weird that like he just kind of like said yes to everything up until the very end where he was just like, screw it. I like I you know, I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction. And then that just kind of soured the relationship. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, it's confusing know. to me that after that happens, the relationship continues. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. You're right. At that point, it does sour the whole thing. And it's like, at that point, you think he's gotten what he wants, right? Like, I don't know. Well, well, the, racial, the relationship continues, but the sparkle is gone, like, after yeah. that. The sparkle. The sparkle, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay, but, okay, so, like, also to backtrack a little bit, like, so, you know, essentially, like, this is what he does, like, with Mary, except, you know, he snaps his fingers and just kind of makes it all happen. Um, and, like, it was so weird, like, when, when like, Mary and the king, like, initially, em- like, you know, embrace and kiss, and there's this very, like, kind of, like, soaring music played underneath, like, I, I-, I thought the score was just completely, like, out of sync with what... I, as the viewer, was experiencing watching that scene. I'm like, oh, yeah. Ooh, no, this, there's nothing like, you know, romantic or triumphant about this. This shit's weird. Yeah. Except Mary, see, at least, you know, by her own character's account, really sort of falls for the king. Later on, later on. I, I, don't, I don't think she falls for him, like, on that first night where, like, you know, earlier at the dinner, he, like, walks by her and just says, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> But Ivan, I guess back to back to Uncle Thomas, who I guess is the other half of this, the plan that doesn't really make sense. Wait, 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 is Thomas the uncle or their dad? 
Both. What? They're both Wait, named they're both- Thomas. Oh. No. Yeah, they're both named Thomas. Why so would you do that? The uncle is Thomas Howard, and the father is Thomas Bolin. Oh, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. They should have the same last name, first of all. <laughs> well, no, because the uncle is like the sister's brother. Oh. Yeah. Oh, this is I they need more names. They do need more they names. They need to give you some nicknames or something. There needs there needs to be like a Javier at some point. This is, <laughs> is It'll this, take a while. Is this why everybody now I don't know where the clip is. I was gonna say, is this why everybody has like seven names? Prince Edward, Albert, Christian, <laughs> George, Andrew, <laughs> Patrick, David, Duke of Windsor. I mean, <laughs> way to tie it yeah. all back together. <laughs> I mean, I could tie it back to. So my question was about creepy uncles. Yeah. So like, is it just? A, it just feels like a theme in like these royal, royal. Uh, uh, I don't know things that we've been watching. That there's always an uncle who's like, I can work my way into the royal family. Like this feels a little bit like if Dicky was just like an asshole. I mean, that would be. <laughs> that's what we got in this movie. It's just Hamlet. Hamlet over yeah. and over and over again. <laughs> so so a lot a lot of shitty men in this movie, but yeah. there is I think like from my perspective one like really like you know good female character here and that is Anne and and uh and Mary's mother, Elizabeth Boleyn. Yeah. Like she she, she she's the only like voice of reason in the whole movie. I liked Catherine too. I thought Catherine was good in her moments on screen. Yeah, very limited though. I feel like we got yeah. a lot more of Elizabeth. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Her name is also Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of Elizabeths. Wait, yeah. Her, her name was Elizabeth. And then I think also the the king's mother was named Elizabeth as well. Yeah, correct. And then the kid was named Elizabeth. Yes, and the kid is named Elizabeth. Uh, the key grip on set was Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Anne becomes jealous of Mary for basically taking her spot. And this was weird. They were like... So this all starts because they go on a hunt and they're like, Anne, go on a hunt with the king. Anne takes the king into a ravine. This is how else you know that it's not Anne's story because we definitely would have seen this if yeah. it was like Anne's story. Anne takes the king into a ravine and he falls off his horse. And they're like, Anne, you can never see him again. <laughs> like, what is, I don't, just the circumstance is crazy. Why would you go into a ravine with a horse? Yeah. Like, I feel like we needed to see that ravine scene and we also needed to get like one brief scene of Anne in France for it to feel a little bit more fleshed out. Yeah. Like, yeah, do we sure. think that Henry blames Anne for falling off his horse? Is yeah, that the implication? I think she thinks that like he led her into the ravine <laughs> with like witchcraft. But in reality, she's just dumb. Like, I feel like that would injure the horse. Like, why would you put your horse at risk like well, that? No, no. So, so the way I understood it is that like they were hunting for what, like a stag or something. Yeah. And. And the stag had kind of like gone further toward like into the ravine and all the men are like, oh, we're not going to mess with that. But Anne, who is pretty familiar with the terrain, decided to, you know, get a little overzealous and go in. And even though she probably could have like safely navigated the landscape, apparently the king, whose, you know, pride would have been hurt if he didn't, you know, demonstrate the courage to go in after her. He was the one that stumbled and got injured. So it's it's her fault for being, you know, familiar with her family. (laughs) family's estate and and being able to safely navigate the terrain while a bunch of these dudes couldn't well okay sorry Anne. so that that's what leads mary to the king mary is like the backup plan even though she's already married and she's a good wife i guess by like this era standard she's like i wouldn't go to court unless my husband goes to court 
And Henry is like, well, guess who just offered your husband a job? Oh, my God. <laughs> this guy. But then, yeah, Anne is eventually sent to, to France after she has her secret wedding. Um, again, no development, <laughs> really, on, like, her and the other Henry. Yeah. Yeah. The, he, what, what was his name again? Like, uh, uh, Henry, Henry Percy. Henry Percy, yeah. yeah. That that just came out of nowhere. Like, like we had gotten these hints that there was this, you know, guy named Henry Percy that has his eyes on Anne from afar, but then all of a sudden, bam, they're married. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he's engaged to another person. And, and again, this would be okay if it was very clear through like the narrative choices of the movie that this was mm-hmm. Mary's story and not Anne's. But I feel like because, you know, because they also position Anne to be like the protagonist as well, we're now missing key parts of her development. But anyways, Anne is sent off to France. She's exiled, basically. And when she comes back, she is like a completely different person with like a completely sinister agenda. It's so wild. And 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 sorry, like on this topic, how long was she gone? And actually also like how long of a time span did this entire story cover? A couple of years, maybe? Uh, yeah five just based on the pregnancies alone like it probably has to be like you know at least like two to three years bare minimum but oh it's got to be longer than that i feel like at the end of the movie elizabeth like the young daughter elizabeth has got to be like what three yeah so but that but that's a time jump right i guess so everything's a time jump there's like (sighs) there's a lot of time jumps okay but but yeah anyhow like i feel uh, like they cut from like the Anne rape scene to her like giving birth yeah. So at least like uh, nine months, if not a year, has passed. Oh, oh, uh, Anne giving birth. Okay, because yeah. because I was thinking like when Anne was sent into exile in France, that that happened before or after Mary got pregnant. I th- I, I want to say I wanna after. Say bef- oh, I was going to say before. If because it was after, then she was gone like no more than nine months, and probably a lot less. No, it was it was basically at the same time, but I believe the timing is before. Basically, uh. Anne has her secret wedding, and then her dad and her uncle yell at her, and then they demand that Henry leave and that Anne go to France. The mom tells Anne that this could be an opportunity to learn from the ladies of the court, and then the next scene is Mary having morning sickness. Uh, okay, okay. So uh, that makes the timeline like more difficult to, to peg down. Okay. Um, who do we think had the better fake English accent between Natalie Portman and Scarlett Johansson? I will say Natalie Portman. Yeah, I think Natalie. I feel like it varied. I mean, they both felt fake. And that was like a weird thing coming off of like the crown where like I think most of the actors are actually English. Where you're like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. I sense the fake here. I want to say, but Natalie Portman, did they make her have an English accent in Star Wars? Did she? No. No, yeah, she didn't. Oh, it was the that was the Kira Knightley version of that character. Yeah, that had the English accent. I think so. Oh yeah, like the the the, the Queen of Naboo. Yeah, yeah. The, the decoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, it's a super interesting choice to make two Americans be like the lead in this movie. <laughs> I know. Shades of that Matthew uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck movie that just came out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. I didn't see it either. Yeah, like I thought, I mean, I I thought Natalie Portman aimed a little higher, which is why in certain scenes she fell further than ScarJo did. All right. So I guess if this is if this is Mary's story um, and this is a story all about how Mary kind of grow like Mary's growth and Mary kind of like navigating through this life as the other Bolin girl. 
and disses her pretty hard. In this dramatized version of what happens, Mary literally has a baby and Anne is like, leave with me. Never talk to Mary again. <laughs> and, uh, and he does. And still, Mary forgives Anne at the end of the day. She's like, I want to have peace between us, et cetera, et cetera. I will try and save you when the king tries to behead you. Why? <laughs> like, oh, wait, why? It, why, though? But there's already, there's already peace between them, right? Like, they they had already kind of patched things up earlier when uh, when Mary testified, uh, like, in Anne's favor that she hadn't done the deed with the other Henry. Yes, yes. But but why, I guess, is the question. Like, wh- like how? why does she do this and is not like, screw you? You crazy no, I, person. Cause, cause I, cause I think she just wants to be done with all of this shit. Like she, you know, she did not want to come to court. She did not want to, you know, become the, the King's uh, mistress. And, you know, she kind of, you know, experienced a little bit of Stockholm syndrome, fell in love with her captor, had his baby. And then like the moment she had the baby, she was discarded. And and all of a sudden, you know, the, the spell and the illusion broke and she decided to just, you know, kind of go back to the country and, and wanted to live out the rest of her days there, but has been, you know, from time to time now thrust back into the, the court life to try to help her sister out, whom she, whom she probably still loves dearly and just, you know, wants wants her to have a happy ending too, uh, you know, despite increasingly challenging circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And like, yeah, like Henry's the reason that they had all these problems to begin with. So I'm sure there's like a, there's a little bit of that, of like, this isn't entirely your fault. Wait, yeah. which Henry? The eighth. <laughs> like, it, if it wasn't for the king showing up, they wouldn't have had this conflict. Well, it's all because it's it's all the brothers, Thomas and Thomas. Like, they're the that, ones that yeah. are just trying to use these daughters to, you know, elevate their own status. But, like, clearly they're really bad at this. Yeah. Like, I found it to be shocking that... Ultimately, Uncle Thomas is residing over Anne's trial, and he doesn't even try to sway them. Like, you know, like he's done all the well, I would say he's done all this work. He hasn't really done that much, but he he's taken the position of like, I need to put my family in a position of power. And yet, you know, at the end of the day, he is like the leader of this group of, you know, jurors and I guess not jurors, but like people who are judging Anne's fate ultimately. And he's like, guilty, behead her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just despicable man. Which is, again, why the, where the motivation gets a little cloudy. It's like, okay. <sighs> but but I, I still don't fully understand what their plan was. So it's like in the beginning, they wanted p- to position Anne as the mistress of the king. Not necessarily with the intention of her getting pregnant, but just for her to kind of like dangle around the king long enough that her own status can then be parlayed into marrying some kind of like duke or some other like high-ranking m- member of nobility, right? Yeah. So so when they suddenly have to pivot to, you know, having Mary in there instead, like Like, it's probably not their intention to get Mary pregnant or, yeah, to have Mary get pregnant. And then once she is, like, again, where does the whole, like, legitimacy of the bastard son fit into everything? Like, what what were Henry and what were the brothers thinking that this child would even accomplish? I mean, maybe he gets to be, like, an automatic duke. I I don't know. I think, yeah, the Mary backup plan is where it falls apart, right? Because Mary is already married. So even if like she's the king's fling, 
she can't at the end of the day we well i mean maybe she could they could murder him i guess but like <laughs> at the end of the day she's not going off especially if she already has a kid and marrying some duke or like they say marquis that's <laughs> marquis is that what you say I, i've that? always heard marquis but i feel like in the movie they say marquis oh my god so <laughs> english but, but yeah english so like was the idea was the original plan to have her be the king's mistress and then once he got bored of her, she would just go back to Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, and what I would guess. they get out of it? Um, I guess they all just get to hang out in the castle for like a couple of months. Yeah, is that yes. like the end of the like? But I'm confused as well because it feels like at the beginning of the movie, does Uncle Thomas have this high like judicial position already, or is that something that he acquires throughout their time at court? I imagine he acquired it. I'm guessing he acquires it because he he seemed like he was like living in the country initially, and then now he lives at the court by the end of the movie. I kept wanting to call him the governor. Side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a Walking Dead reference. Yeah, it took me a second. Thanks for <laughs> reminding me. Yep, terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump to the end. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while. So the end is, I think, what we all know. Anne Boleyn is beheaded, but I don't know that we all knew the circumstance around her beheading yeah, to no. this degree. I feel like you just you know that the king gets tired with her, but then there's this whole incest plot. I I don't know, like why Anne really is convinced that if she doesn't have this kid, she will die either way. It just escalates from like. I guess it's already at 10, but from like 10 to 1,000, like so fast. Yeah, I don't know what that There's no point, development really there. Like fake your death and run, girl. Like, <laughs> Go back to France. So Truly. Wait, so, so like do you, do you think her fear is that like, you know, my punishment for not producing an heir will be much worse than Catherine of Aragon? Like because not only have I failed to produce the heir, but I've also – left a wake of destruction in my path with like you know cutting ties to the the catholic church and just forcing the king to all to do all of these things that he didn't really want to do just so he could marry me and now look i've you know he has nothing to show for it so you thought that yeah, her punishment for that would be death well i don't that's what doesn't make sense like she can't possibly think that like he'll actually kill her right especially since i i don't think he would have had like any any legal channel to do that like I, it sounds like to, to kill anybody in at in this stage of society you still need to like have them undergo a trial and if there's nothing to strictly accuse her of then it, it, i don't think even the king can just say like off with her head without some kind of official charge i mean we get the we get this one hit right where like the the apartment that they end up moving into used to be the king's best friend's apartment yeah but the king best friend no longer exists yeah they did say that so i guess there's like a little bit of precedent but like as far as like just not giving someone a son when you have already given him a daughter like and couldn't you have more kids like i i don't understand does it matter how long this it's just takes? such a jump for her to make to be like brother <laughs> and also why don't you just go find some random guy is the like is she so paranoid that like she has to do her brother because he wouldn't tell anyone like 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 what what's what's Benedict Cumberbatch up to? Like he he's already undergone enough humiliation. What's what's one uh, more? He died. Little... In a he, he's, scene. Dead. he's dead. <laughs> oh, he's dead. He he's dead by that point in the movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was the end of the movie. 
Yeah, he's dead by then. Oh, wait, did they even make a reference to that in the final cut? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Just deleted scene. Oh, yeah. Cause, like, oh, yeah, because she just, like, Mary just goes and ends up with Eddie Redmayne in the end. Yeah. Well, yeah, I feel like before that was when in the movie, Eddie Redmayne has already asked uh, Mary to go run away with him. He can't take this madness anymore. Right. Oh, God. Which I feel like he would never would have done if, like, Benedict Cumberbatch was still alive. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't seem like it would work. Yeah. So so one more thing I wanted to, like, bring up uh, that, that just kind of, like, overshadows this entire story a little bit. So, like, you, you see the scene, you know, when, when Mary and, uh, and, and King Henry, like, you know, have sex for the first time. And, you know, he, he takes off his shirt and he's just got that, like, chiseled Eric Bana six pack. And he's, like, super, super handsome and, like, you know, super alluring, which I think we can safely assume in real life, like, you know, Henry VIII was probably not that good looking and, like, oh, not oh, in that amazing okay. of shape, right? So the one thing I... I did ask my friend. I jokingly was like, he wasn't hot. And then my friend was like, nah, he was hot. Apparently, he actually was hot as a youth. Oh, really? Yeah, he was hot when he was younger. Like, the photo, the paintings we see The paintings are his older self. Yeah. He lets himself go after wife number four or five. I guess. (laughs) So he was hot. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, like, how how much different would this movie have been (laughs) if this was, like, you know, a king that looked like, you know, well, let's just say, like, John Lithgow as Winston Churchill. Well, and the Tudors miniseries, he's hot too, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I had always thought that was like a Hollywood thing, but I, yeah, apparently he was hot. Well, I know he was like oh. athletic at least, right? Like he used to- In his youth, yeah. Yeah. But okay. also, you can't tell from the paintings because they like couldn't paint back then. <laughs> so everyone looks so Everybody's like weird. 2D and they have arms coming out, both arms come out the same side of their body. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that that's actually like a very pleasant surprise because I, I, I thought that it was just like a very annoying creative liberty they took to make him super hot. Sorry. My favorite thing about, this is a tangent, but my favorite thing about like old like English paintings is like when they try to paint a baby, but they don't really <laughs> like, know the proportions, so it's just like a tiny adult. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand how they don't know that. Like, they're not like looking at the baby, I and I'm, like I don't know. I'll try to paint. It has that. like full like facial features. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to find a um, a good Henry VIII like youth painting, but he is. Um, he did not look the same as like we associate with him. Okay, good to know. So, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, uh, all right, a couple other things that were fun. Obviously, Theon Greyjoy showing up, very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Love seeing him. We had a Crown alumnus here uh, in Mark Lewis Jones, who played the Welsh professor. Oh. Uh, Wait, who did That we play? saw this season. So he played someone named Brandon, and I will <laughs> confess, I did not see him in the movie, but <laughs> there's a deleted scene... <laughs> Okay, so you know the scene where um, where uh, the king is like, he's waking up after the ravine and Mary is just there like stroking his hand? Uh-huh. So in the movie, it's just them two, right? There's a deleted scene where it's them two and Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> also there. Okay. Yeah. He's there as like the king's like, I don't know, just helper. Oh, I was gonna say doctor, but sure. Oh, you think a doctor? Oh, maybe. I, maybe he had slight medical. Maybe he's Doctor Brandon. Who knows? <laughs> but he is here in this movie. Can, can we delete this part of our podcast recording? Sure. <laughs> I'm kidding. Like I, I didn't see the scene, so th- th- this means nothing to me. 
you 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 could have told you. me oh oh there was a deleted scene where like Anne hooked up with a character played by Hayden Christensen and <laughs> like I, I wow I, I I'd be forced to believe you but I didn't see it <laughs> I'm not gonna watch the deleted scenes. You're not going to. I mean, I'm telling you, you should watch the deleted scenes because I feel like it just adds so much context to the movie. Only uh, other Bowling Girl super fans. This movie needs like four hours of additional context to make sense. Well, that's easier, I think, than apparently it's like a 700 page book. Like, oh my God. I'm not going to read that Whoa. book. I'm just going to watch 20 minutes of deleted scenes, <laughs> figure out what I missed. <laughs> I feel like we could all just watch the tutors. We could just watch the tutors too. I feel like the tutors, it, it like at least in a TV show, you have more of an expectation of like I'm gonna get multiple pe- uh, characters POVs. Yeah. Like I feel like in this movie, right? Like the Henry the Eighth going from like nice guy to like psychopath happens super quickly. Yeah. Maybe it's not super quick, but we just like don't see that development at all or see that side of it's like he's nice for the first half. And just like a dick for the second half? No, no, no. I, I, I reject this analysis because I think he's you awful do? from the onset. He he basically like co- coerces Mary to like come live in his castle, be separated from her husband just so he can like get his way with her. Sure, yeah. but that's like a king. Th- that's not like that's a king thing to do. And all the other people in his life like enable that. But like him, like raping somebody and like beheading people and like. But see, I feel like, like it's a different. Mind, it's a different level of. <laughs> I like, feel like those those latter things are also king things to do. Like I feel like it's all just part of like the same. You think sense raping of, like, and beheading people? Are just I mean, king if you're uh, to do? honestly in that time period, yeah, I don't know. I think if you're bad, you can just kind of do things like that. Like if you're not, I good, feel like yeah. it's all just lumped into like the same category of just like super like t- like you know violent entitled behavior you don't think it correlates at all to like him thinking he's been excommunicated Um, and like just not giving a shit anymore i wonder if the filmmakers wanted us to think that because i can see where that line of thinking came from but i also see why he's just a dick from the beginning so well he's definitely a dick at the he's a dick like his personality is just a dick (laughs) but i like, in the movie, it definitely, like, escalates. Well, what I don't understand is, is how common it is that you can just steal someone's wife in a time where it seems like it really matters if your wife or a woman has had sex with someone else before you. Like, 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 like Sam, this movie begins with him going on a scouting trip for a mistress. Sure. I mean, that sounds kind of normal. For but he's things. not looking to murder her. <laughs> I imagine they did, like, go formally find mistresses. But I, I, what I want to know is how common it is that you can just find a married woman and be like, I want that one. That's true. Like, we assume, right, that Mary has his, like, bastard son. We've got to assume he's got other, like, bastard sons, right? Oh, I'm sure he does, yeah. Like, there's other illegitimate kings or illegitimate, like, heirs to the throne. Yeah, there was even, like, a last name they would all get, like, Fitzroy or something. Like, the Game of Thrones where they were all, like, <laughs> snow. Yeah. So, you know, it's a thing. They have a lot of little bastards running around. Yeah. I, I I mean I'm gonna stand by what I said. I think this guy is a monster from the very beginning, for sure. But I feel like in the movie version, right, we don't see like the ticks that like really set him off. That I feel like that you could get into that nuance in like a TV show. Yeah, I I, th- I think there's definitely escalation throughout, but but uh, but I I, th- I think he's a rotten apple from the very beginning, <laughs> and like I mean he he's he's circumstances leading him to do like increasingly like like violent and and 
you know, dark and chaotic things. But I, I think that was inside of him all along from the very start. Isn't it wild? This makes Charles look so good. <laughs> like suddenly all the other like royals, you're like, oh, they're fine. I know this is like, I feel like anytime Tommy Lassels is like, just remember, <laughs> it's like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we need it. Why hasn't there been a King George the Third like prestige movie like this? Wait, which which one was the third? The our guy. He lost the yeah, the guy who lost America. Oh, oh, okay. The 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 Hamilton King. Yeah. I think he came after Henry, if I can Well he for sure did. Right. Henry was well, like fifteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah, this was so this like, was way before America. Where's his movie? <laughs> I mean, does anybody really no, All the Hamilton fans <laughs> want his movie and get Jonathan Groff to do it again, but have him not sing. Oh my God. That would be the most annoying movie because it's the same song over and over again. <laughs> it's still like a musical, hours. but it's the same. Oh my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh my God. All right. Any other thoughts here on the other Bolin girl? Anything we didn't touch upon? Um, the Those puffy sleeves. He looked really funny when he was walking. Wait, the puffy sleeves? The like really broad shouldered outfits that King Henry would wear. Oh, yeah. Just, just for just sure. like to, to, to the banquets and stuff. Yeah. Or it was like a foot or more out and he kind of had to strut like a bird. I, I made note of that too. It, it seems like it would be very uncomfortable to eat while you're basically like having your sleeves like flailing about several feet. I thought it was funny. Fashion's funny. Shall we? So obviously there were just some disturbing things, but there were also some kinky things in this movie as yeah. well. Carlin, what kinky things did you notice? Okay, so my favorite one, I think it was when they were riding bareback. They were, someone asked, I think it was Anne, like, how are you holding on to the horse? And she's like, with my thighs. Mm, that's a good one. That oh. was my favorite one, too. Uh, I, I have to admit, when you said riding bareback, my mind went to a completely different scene. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> with horses. With the horse. Uh, Ivan, do you have anything? Uh, I mean, uh, as much as I hate this, I think just him walking uh, up to Mary and saying, tonight. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. My nomination is uh, at the beginning. So beginning of the movie, Mary gets married to William and she's talking to Anne about it. And Anne is like, I'm sorry, I can't give you any advice. I failed as a sister, but tell me everything in the morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't spare any details. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. She wanted. all. Yeah. Yeah. She wants all the details about her sister's sex life. That's a little kinky. I mean, that's, do we need, a, we need one more? Do we need one more? It's fine if we have three. Like everything is so overt that like, I mean, I'm, I know there was a lot of sex in this movie, but I'm struggling to think of anything that, w w that came off as very sly. Milk and honey sister. <laughs> I still don't know what that really means. <laughs> you just threw that at Ivan. <laughs> I just threw it at Ivan. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I'll go with the thighs. I like the thighs. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's make it unanimous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Cool. So that's the other Bolin girl. Uh, wild movie. Uh, what a time we had reviewing this. I feel like I definitely watched this like over a decade ago, like around when it first came out. But it's been some time. And I definitely did not remember like all the people who were in this movie, including Andrew Garfield, who was not in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, all right. So next time we have a surprise. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Ivan, if people want to catch up with you about the royal family, where can they do that? Court. <laughs> Carlin, what about you? Um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung, but the best place to reach us if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns or recommendations for us is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. Thank you all for listening to this. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Hope you did too. And we'll see you next time. And God save the king. God, God save, save the, the king. king. <laughs>